Good morning. All right, Bud's got a picture for us. I know, it, you know what, it really isn't meant to be funny, but I know it is, because I laugh at it too. Because when I go into the stores, I see all this, this stuff these days, and all these choices that we have in life, not just peanut butter, but bread and milk and everything else, right? I mean, of course, those are on sale, but we have, you know, a mixture of peanut butter and jelly, we have 50% less peanuts, 50% less sodium, fat-free, low-fat, low-calorie, high-calorie, and um, it's, uh, I, I never thought there'd be so many choices um, in peanut butter. What to wear? We have a lot of choices. You probably had a lot of choices on what you were going to put on today when you came here to the service. What to eat? You have whole milk. You have fat-free milk. You have skim milk. You have 1%, 2%, almond milk, coconut milk, oat milk. What did I miss? Soy, Soy milk. It's <laughs> vanilla soy there. Non-pasteurized. Non I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. We have choices on who to marry, right? Who not to marry. We probably made a few choices before coming here today. But when we hear from Moses in this passage, which is not long before his death, he tells the Israelites to choose life. And it seems like a really easy choice, meaning... Why would anyone choose the opposite? Why would somebody choose death? But we see it because we see people's desires taking precedence over what God wants for their lives, living like he actually isn't, like he doesn't really exist. And in this book of Deuteronomy, we see we people are given reminders of God's ways and blessings that come from choosing life. And so we know that some choices are a matter of life and death. And that is what Moses is presenting here in this passage to the Israelites. If you're familiar with this book, it's the end of the Israelites' time. They've been wandering around in the wilderness. They're close to entering the promised land. And when I think of this book, I, I, I think of it as the people looking back, but at the same time, they're also looking forward, right? Um, they're looking back, we can see a lot of disobedience, but we also see God's faithfulness even during the rough times, and that should sound familiar to us because I'm, I know he's been faithful to all of us during times of struggles. And Moses has reminded them of what they've been through, how God has been with them when they were obedient and when they were disobedient. The big message in it, in, in this passage, is to choose life, obey God, receive blessings, disobey, and life will be really tough. And so when we take it, when we take this passage today, just focus on these, on these three truths. Everyone's given a choice between life and death. You might be here today and, and you might decide, well, I don't have to decide. But then not deciding is, is actually a, a, a choice. It's easy to understand how to be in an active relationship with God, and if we want to experience what blessings God has for us, we must have an active relationship with him. So Moses says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. He, um, he lays it out really clear when we read this. And there really isn't a, uh, what I would call a, um, 
a middle ground for the Israelites? We face choices every day, you and I, some good, some bad. So many things happen to us in life as a result of the choices we make. Life is full of them. And just like the Israelites, if we fail to make the wrong choice, there's nobody to blame but ourselves. And sometimes the consequences aren't good. And I don't think I'm, I hope I'm not the only one here who's made a bad choice at one point in life. I look at Solomon as kind of an example. He's the wisest king, it says, who ever lived. He had supernatural wisdom. But Solomon, he didn't just marry one wrong woman, right? Somebody, he, he married many wrong women, right? And um, unga- unga- ungodly women that, that turned him away from, from God. So he, though he was wise, he made some really bad choices. So Moses, he, he calls heaven and earth to witness, right? And so he, he's, he's emphasizing how big of a deal this is. So it's like calling witnesses during a trial, right? You have to have them. But what Moses does, he calls God's creation to, to, as a witness. And so they can't blame Moses if they make the wrong choice because he's, he, he's called this. And they can't play uh, the blame game, the blame game, I guess I would call it. And we see that. We see that Adam blamed Eve. We see that Eve blamed the serpent. We blame our spouse. Our spouse blames us. We blame the church. We are quick to blame everything sometimes but ourselves. But I can safely say that God wants the best for the Israelites as well as he wants the best for us. But there's two paths. There's blessings and there's curses. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells us, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few sometimes our choices have bad consequences just like Moses laid it out really clear here the New Testament does that for us today when we read it Jesus' ministry forces a choice and I think one of the big reasons why people don't follow Jesus or Christianity is because they don't want to be put in that situation. They don't want to choose. They don't think they have to choose. They're very prideful. And with Jesus, it's not one foot in and one foot out. And I think this is part of why he is so awesome because he doesn't beat around the bush. And that type of person drives me nuts. I don't know if you know somebody like that. They, they, you know that they want to tell you something, but they just won't, they won't say it outright clearly, and you just want to go, would you please tell me what you are trying to say to me? This is not what Jesus does. This is not what Jesus does. And so today, outside of the Old Covenant, right, all people are confronted with a choice. And it doesn't first focus so on, focus on, will I obey God? Today, for us, it's going to focus on, but will I trust in Jesus for my standing before the Almighty God? In Luke's gospel, he says, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. 
So Jesus had just said in this passage that he is stronger than Satan. And so if he is stronger than Satan, then there's a choice for everyone. Who do we partner with? Will we be with Jesus or will we be against him? Are there any Bob Dylan fans in here? No Bob Dylan fans? My wife, my, you're not a Bob Dylan fan. I had in the back, right? Bob Dylan fans. It's a song. He, he had a song. It, it, you, are you familiar with it? It's, it was called You Gotta Serve Somebody. He says it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. So who are we serving today? Not choosing is also a choice. So to be undecided about Jesus is to be decided. Jesus doesn't present us with neutral ground, and I know that people struggle with that. But remember, he chose us first. In the book of Ephesians, he says he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Our identity is found in him and him alone, and people should see that in us. We should be submitting to the Father so he may lead us, empower us with the Holy Spirit. I can't remember where I picked this up from, but there was a, um, somebody might know out there. There was a philosopher who once asked, um, he asked what would happen if there weren't any, any preachers. And he came to the conclusion that the only thing remaining to proclaim the goodness of God would be how Christians live their lives. And so in reality, our life that we lead out there into the unbelieving world is a sermon to them. So choose life, Moses says, that you and your offspring may live. We know Moses lays it out very clear when he says choose life. And he now emphasizes that it's just not the people, but their offspring. What they decide will affect the future generation. So do you think how we live can affect our family's future? I sure it can. I think we can see a really practical application here also. As parents, grandparents, if we don't make a relationship with Jesus our top priority, how can we expect our children or our grandchildren to? I know we want them to love God, but it can't be forced on them neither. So there has to be some groundwork that's laid. And we have to pray for the Holy Spirit to create a desire in their hearts. We know God can open the eyes of anyone. You could pray Psalm 119 verse 18. Open their eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. It's simple yet powerful. Asking God to remove the um, scales from the spiritually blind eyes. I'm going to go to chapter 6 for just, just a second. You don't have to go there. I want to read something um, in chapter 6. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This needs to be implanted in our hearts, and then it must be communicated somehow to our children and our grandchildren. And then he goes on in verse 7. And it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall take of them when you sit in your house and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, the Christian education for our children and grandchildren begins in the home. 
They need to be encouraged to read the Bible, read the Bible stories, be in the Word daily, and pray with them on a regular basis. Even when just doing normal activities, the Lord should be a huge part of that conversation. It is a mission, raising kids to know and love Jesus. We don't have children in our home anymore, but I honestly think that our homes can be the most difficult place to um, live out our faith. We have to teach them diligently and demonstrate a positive example. We are saints and sinners, and I think an aspect of living out our faith in the home is to recognize our failures in front of them, in front of our kids and our grandchildren. And if you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't have any kids, I don't have any nephews, I don't have any nieces, I don't have any family, well, there's still, like, there's still plenty for you to do, right? We, you still have a spiritual family right here. You know, you have brothers and sisters in Christ, and we all need to help each other, and there's plenty of help that is needed for us. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another, helping each other with personal and spiritual growth. So Moses moves on to, um, we're still in verse 20, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. He puts love the Lord first here because it should lead to what he says next, which is obey. This is what his children do. They obey because they love their father. In Psalm 128, 1, it says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. The Israelites have been terribly disobedient and rebellious. And when we read the Old Testament and we see how awful they are, it's easy to understand. You look at that, what they do, and you're like, oh my gosh, how could they do this? They're just terrible people. But then, like, we're not perfect people neither, right? So, we can be like that. We can fail to submit to his word, and we can fall short of his righteousness just like they did. So, we have to consistently seek our Father. In Amos 5, 4, it says, For thus, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. God has given us tools that we need to seek him with all our heart, and this will allow him to make the changes he desires in our lives. He's our father. And I think sometimes that people struggle with that, that word, that he is our father. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think maybe because our earthly father contorted if that's a good word, contorted our view of our Heavenly Father. There was a, um, in 2017, there was a census, and it said 19.7 million children lived without a father in the home. That translates into more than one in four children growing up without a father's daily influence. Some of us here might not have that, might not have had that fatherly influence growing up. And The Christian faith in a personal God, meaning a deep, intimate relationship, can be affected by how they relate to their fathers. If there was a father who was caring, patient, loving, and involved, it became more natural for that person to believe that our Father in heaven has the same traits. But the opposite can happen. If the person is dealt with a harsh, abusive, absent, or demanding father, we have a father, it can be the opposite. But we have a father in heaven who's not like that. He will never leave you. He 
will always protect you. He knows what you need. And he doesn't love you. Um, he doesn't love you because of you. I mean, he loves you because he, he just, he loves you, right? He loves you. And it's not based on our successes. I mean, we're his children. He has saved us from death. And so, so choosing life involves loving God. And this isn't an infatuation type love, like, like, like when you're in middle school and it's the roller skating ring love or something like that. This is not that type of love, okay? This is a really deep, deep love. We probably don't even understand it fully. In 1 John 4.19, it says, We love because he first loved us. We obey out of love. He sacrificed his son for us. He has given us his word so we can learn how to live to please him. It's a tool. This is how God primarily speaks to his people today. And the more we read this by ourselves, with others, the more we will come to know him and our relationship should become stronger and more intimate. And this is what we want. It's not only what we should want, but this is what we need as children of God. So Moses talks about holding fast. He says, love the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. This analogy, holding fast to him, appeared for the first time actually earlier in this book in chapter 10. It says, you shall fear the Lord your God. You shall ser serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. And so this, this, this term, hold fast, means to cling, right? To cling to, to uh, um, take a firm grasp, like gripping something very tightly. I'm going to use a really bad example, okay? Um, so has anyone here ever been thrown out of a bar? Okay, by the bouncer. Like he grabs you by the arm and walks you out the door? Right? Okay? So, but you get what I mean? As you have your young child and you, and you have a busy street and you need to hold on to that child as you cross that busy street. That's, that's the point though, right? Um, it was probably a bad example. But this is what Moses is telling the people to do. To hold fast. Make the right choice. Choose life. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Grab hold. Don't let go. Love the Lord, keep his commandments, and walk in his ways. Paul makes a really good, kind of a, a pretty good assessment of how we should, we should live today in spite of what the Israelites, how, how they were doing in Philippians. Um, and he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent and children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Holding fast to Jesus, right? So we have to consistently work on our personal relationship with God and not let anything get in the way. It's never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. 
to draw closer to him, to trust him, to love him, to spend time with him in prayer and in his word. Hold fast to the gospel, cling to the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he moves on and, and he now tells them, um, life and length dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, that he is, he is your life and length of days. So God's sustaining these Israelites just like he sustains us today. And, and they weren't living their lives with this truth, though. And God has kept them going, but he can also take their lives away in, in a blink of an eye. You remember um, Lot's, Lot's wife. You know, don't look back. Don't look back. And she looked back, and she was gone. So the Israelites are ready to enter the promised land. God has pledged to give it to them, but it depends on whether they choose life. Loving and obeying, if they do, God will ensure their future, and if not, they lose it all. And the same goes for us, because we know that our days are numbered. And if you're sitting here today and you say, well, I don't believe in Jesus, I'm just here, your days are numbered and you know it. We know it. In Job 14, 15, it says, since his days are determined... The number of months is with you. You have appointed his limits so he cannot pass. Choose life. Love God. Obey. And it sure seems like an easy concept, but I, I just wonder why so many people fail. And I pray that all of us here today have chosen life and to love and obey even when it might be hard. We should live our lives to the fullest, but Jesus should be at the center of it. So in the last part of this passage, Moses says that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. So it's a reminder that this is something God promised hundreds of years ago if they make the right choice. So I highly recommend reading these two chapters, 29 and 30. They are pretty much the last of Moses' teaching. So today, how do we choose life? Well, according to God's word, we choose life by choosing him, by being in an active relationship with him. We choose life by loving him. We choose life by walking in his ways and obeying him. We have life, we have death, and we all have the ability to choose. If we choose poorly, according to this passage, it will be your greatest curse. If we choose wisely, it's your greatest blessing in life, right? Your greatest blessing in life. And if we want to experience that, then we need to be in an active relationship with him, our Savior. And how could that, what does that look like? We spend time with him. We do spend time with him alone in prayer and reading his word. We develop relationships with others because we need each other. We not only cling to him, but we should be clinging to each other in relationships because we need, we need that. We learn and grow together with like-minded Christians to help us grow closer to God. Listen to his voice. He's always, he's always talking 
I believe he's always talking, but we're so distracted today. I mean, we're distracted just by peanut butter. You know? I mean, there's so many distractions in today's world. Be willing to trust him with your heart. Learn how to depend on him. And here's one that I've actually struggled with myself. And I think I can speak for my wife, too. Is don't compare your relationship with Jesus to that of others. You know, you see people, they say, oh, they're so... They're just so deep into God and they have this best relationship and why am I failing at that? How come I can't be like that? Don't compare yourself with others in their relationship. Jesus is life for us. He's life for all of us. And what Moses said to the people in this chapter, Jesus took it to the next level, sacrificing his life on the cross so we all might live. So you bow your heads with me this morning and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, Lord. Just pray that um, we think about those words today, choose life, and that we all have chosen you, that we've all made the right choice. And if we haven't, that we will think about it and, 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 and decide soon to choose Jesus because You are the way and the truth and the life, Lord. I pray as we leave here today that um, your presence will still be felt and hearts will be reached and new lives will begin following you. In Jesus' name, amen.